0: Good morning, Catalyst. I'm Debbie Reese, and I'm on the preaching he- team here at Catalyst. Um, my husband and I, Casey, have been coming to Catalyst about three and a half years, and we have two beautiful kiddos, Kaylee and Caleb. Um, it's December 10th, and we're halfway through the Christmas season. Does anyone need a nap? Do you have time for a nap? I know I don't. Are you already thinking of the gifts you still need, or have you even started? As a mom, I find Christmas extremely stressful. I feel pressure to make everyone happy. Did I check everything off my to-do list? Did I get all the gifts I needed to buy? What parties are we going to go to? Did I make all the cookies and goodies I need? What am I going to give to my son's teachers? I ran out of wrapping paper and tape, and I only have a few presents left to wrap. I'm checking my Amazon account for the delivery date of a gift before we leave out of town. Have we decided which family members we're going to spend Christmas with, and then when is our other Christmas? Are we all packed and ready to travel? I missed a day of the Advent calendar. Oh no, we need to color and cut and paste the cow, the horse, the lamb on the nativity scene, or have we we have to eat four days of candy from the Advent calendar. My son does it, not me. <laughs> Do you suffer from OPD, ornament placement disorder? I know I do, and all the ornaments have to fit just right on the tree. Not too many Christmas balls on one side, and the angel has to be just proportional with the other. OPD is a real thing, people. I have it. I do. I have it. I took a poll recently of real people, you know, my Facebook friends, because those are the real people I know and I trust. And who better to ask for their holidays than the people that I trust, you know? I wanted to see what their favorite and least favorite time of the holidays were. Well, their answers were no different than the ones I've seen myself over the years. Stress of money, divorced families, ungrateful people, having to travel long distances to see family, the weather, not living up to what somebody wanted, the commercialism of the holidays and loneliness, and what was even more surprising is that there were more negative posts and comments than the positive ones by more than 50%. That was the shocking part. We don't find the happy or the merry or the blessings in the Christmas season, just the bad. What are we missing? Christmas is supposed to be about Christ coming to the world, about peace on earth and good news to all people. But somehow in our culture, we've turned preparation for Christmas into a circus that creates chaos instead of peace. And where do we go wrong? Today, we're gonna get back to our roots of Advent, clearing away some of the holiday clutter and discover the Christ at the heart of Christmas. He is our rock, our island of joy in the sand. Christ is our peace in the chaos. Christ is our grateful in the hate. Today we hear God call out to us, comfort, comfort. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Advent is the season that begins the church year. We begin in that period when God's people were waiting for the Messiah. We just finished a series on the book of Lamentations, a series in which we explored the people of God's response to our cultural devastation, the exile. Lamentations ended with hope, hope that tragedy was not the end, hope that God would come to God's people once again. Then God's people waited for more than 500 years for God to come in, that event we now call Christmas. Advent is the season of the church year where we wait with our spiritual ancestors for God to come. And Advent, then, is a season of hope. It's a season where we declare that tragedy and pain are not the end, where we stand up and celebrate what is ahead of us in life and light and hope. Advent is a conviction, not that things are okay, but things are going to be okay. That though the world is dark, light is coming into the world. That the glow on the horizon is not a trick of the eye, but the dawn of a due day. In light of that hope, our Advent series this year is called to be continued. We're remembering that after the exile, Israel's story wasn't finished. It was continued in that first Christmas event. We'll be listening to the prophets who lived after the exile, who helped Israel learn how to hope and expect that God would return to them. In the same way, our story is not finished either. We know that God came to us on that first Christmas, but that wasn't the end of the story. We know God will come again to establish peace and justice once and for all. So just like our ancient ancestors, we are waiting for God, hoping for God's return. So we'll also listen to Jesus as he taught about his return. We'll learn what shape our hope should take us that. So as we approach the Christmas celebration, we can be united with God, present as God is present in all we do this holiday season. First, let's journey to Jerusalem after the exile. Turn with me to um, Isaiah 40. It can be found on page 427 in one of the free Bibles in the back. In this passage, the prophet is speaking to a people who have been devastated, but, as we saw in our last series, are beginning to hope again. To a people who are just beginning to rebuild their lives, who still live in ruins and among chaos, the prophet's first words are, comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. The prophet is speaking to the people that have suffered and waited 500 years for the coming of the Lord. And they have, sur- they have suffered. Watch their ancestors suffer and die. Risk their lives for food, clothing, safety. And it has never come. And these, come, these words come with hope and comfort. The better days are here to come. God is coming to them. Their exile will be ending but they have a part to play. The prophet doesn't expect them to sit on their hands and just wait for God to show up. No, he offers a challenge, a job. He calls them to action. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. For people living in Jerusalem 500 years before Jesus was born, making a highway in the wilderness was no easy task. The area they are being asked to make a straight and clear highway for was full of terrain. It was really rough. There was rocks and mountains and valleys, steep cliffs and rocks. Building a highway there today would be no easy task, let alone back then. And yes, this is the prophet's call, and he calls it a comfort. Think about when a loved one you haven't seen in a long time is coming in from out of town to visit. Are you excited? Do you feel anxious, joyful, preparing for their coming because the time has passed since you've seen them a long time? Maybe you have a loved one coming to town this holiday. Would it make a difference if you had to pick them up from the DFW airport? During the holiday season at rush hour, not knowing their airline, what gate they were coming to, in the rain, there was an accident, you're almost out of gas, you've got kids in the car. Are you still excited about this trip? I'm not really excited to go to the DFW airport anytime. You aren't excited about the actual physical trip or what you have to do to go through to get there, but you love this person. You love that they're coming. You've been anticipating their return for a long time, and it doesn't even cross your mind to just pick up your phone, look at your Uber app for the airport, have them picked up and brought to you. No. You do whatever you need to do to make our way, to get there, to stand at the exit so that the moment you see your loved one, see their smile, hug them, get to see them physically and touch them, be in their presence, the arrival or advent of your loved one makes the trip all worth it. God's people were hopeful. They had been waiting for the Lord to come to rescue them from their pain and sorrow they had felt for far too long. And now they received the word. The Lord is coming to us. Make a highway. Advent is our season to prepare for Christ's coming. It's our chance to put ourselves in the lives of those ancient mothers and fathers and ask, am I preparing for Christ to be in my life or in the language of the prophet? How do we make this straight highway for the Lord in our modern day lives? Because even though Jesus has come, our story isn't finished. So now turn with me to Mark 1. It can be found on page 599 in one of the free Bibles in the back for you today. And those are yours to keep. We'd love for you to have one because even, okay, Advent is our season to prepare for Christ's coming. It's our chance to put ourselves in the lives of the ancient mothers and fathers of us. here we go. Sorry about that. But even though Jesus has come, our story isn't finished. So now turn with me to Mark 1 again. Mark's gospel doesn't have the Christmas story we typically think of with baby Jesus and the shepherds and the magic. Mark begins with another prophet, John the Baptist. Have you ever been walking in town, maybe somewhere downtown, and you see a street preacher on the corner firing away fire and hell and brimstone? Those Bible beating get in your face spread the gospel of the Lord through their evangelism? Can you think of a time when that's happened? How'd that make you feel? Were you uncomfortable? Did you try not to make eye eye contact with this bullhorn of a preacher man in fear of having to talk to them and have a conversation and engage with them? Well, this was John the Baptist. He was a weird, weird dude. He would sit on the edge of town wearing a camel robe, shouting about the Lord. You'll notice as we read the first verses of Mark's story of Jesus that he uses Isaiah's prophecy. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as a prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So you have one of those crazy, crazed street preachers standing in the desert and shouting to everyone, repent, repent. And when Mark tells the story, he uses the Isaiah's prophecy, which was all about comfort, comfort. I don't know about you, but comfort is the last thing I see and I feel in me when I see one of these street preachers. But Mark thinks that John's message, repent of your sins, is a message of comfort and hope. He sees John's activity, inviting people to repent and calling them to be baptized, is how God's people make the highway for God to come to us. John's message is comfort for everyone. He is telling the people to prepare the way for the Lord, clear the road for him. John is bringing hope to these people, and they've been suffering for 500 years. Hope that their lives will get better because God is coming among them. But they have work to do. They must repent of their sins and look to God to be forgiven. And of course, God doesn't want us to physically get out our shovels and our picks to make a highway for him. He is everywhere he needs to be. He wants us to dig in our hearts, repent, ask for forgiveness, offer forgiveness to others and show our hearts to others and reflect God's love in all we do. And this seems hard to do during this busy time of year. When nothing is slowing down, let alone making time to reflect on ourselves and giving back more to those around us that they have asked. But the question remains, what do we need to repent of? What are the mountains and valleys in our lives that are keeping us from God? What parts of our lives have become twisted that they need to make straight again? What part did you have in all of this preparation and stress? What are you bringing to the table? Have you lost your patience with a loved one? missed an obligation, had road rage? Have you gotten mad waiting in line at the grocery store for that person that just won't hurry up? Have you been frustrated and taken that frustration out on our coworker, Making a straight highway and going through the valley and over the mountains, we are the ones with mountains, peaks, valleys, our sins, jealousy of others, stresses of the holiday season. He is the straight path to finding the way to grace, light, and fulfillment in our lives. Building a highway through a mountainous desert is hard work. So, too, is the work of preparing ourselves for Christ's coming. But if we don't make the road, how will God come? If we don't prepare ourselves to receive Christ in our lives, in our relationships, in our families, in our church, in our vocations, this Christmas, then what can we expect Christ when he is coming? The easy thing to do now would be to hand out a list or a schedule to all of you today, to tell you what you need to do to repent and prepare for God this Advent season. But I can't tell you what your preparation looks like and what preparing for Christ looks like in your life will not necessarily be what it looks like in mine. Discovering what gets between you and God is a work of discernment. It takes some time to sit in prayer or conversation with someone you trust. Could you take 10 minutes a few days this week in your busy schedule to sit with God? To make some time for God and you and ask, what gets between God and you? If you don't make the road and get rid of the boulders, the rocks, the debris, how will God come? When is coming, what is coming between you and God to make room for him? What's coming between you and him? What's your roadblock, your detour? If preparing is making the way, then what needs to go? What do you need to unload to build a straight path for God to come into your heart and into your life? What needs to be reshaped? Sometimes we don't make time or room for what needs to be worked on ourselves. We say yes to too many things, spread ourselves too thin during the holiday season to please others. But are but are we pleasing them or just making it harder on us? What was truly gained from giving more time, buying a more expensive gift, Comparing your Christmas to others, ourselves to others, what we do for others. It's entirely plausible that we do so much preparing for Christmas that we miss the reason we're preparing to celebrate in the very first place. John and Isaiah's good news is God is coming and we're making a path for God to come to us. What are we doing to make those roads straight and leveling the mountains during this holiday season? Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated another holiday. Thanksgiving. My husband and mother-in-law spent hours that day and even, day, even the days before making sure that we had a delicious meal that arrived on the table, warm, all at the same time we were set to eat. Our family works really hard for this meal to celebrate what we're thankful for. We sit at the table after just a 30-minute meal with hours of dishes to wash and wonder, was it all worth it? Might happen again in a couple weeks. If Thanksgiving is only about the 30 minute meal, then obviously it's not worth it. But if Thanksgiving is about all the time spent before, if Thanksgiving is more than a 30 minute meal, it becomes invaluable. My son loves to be his daddy's sous chef in the kitchen. He spent time helping daddy by getting ingredients out of the refrigerator and asking lots of questions. My husband and his mother chatted back and forth and back and forth for a few weeks about what each could prepare and bring. We spent the day together as a family in my in-laws' kitchen working and preparing the meal, being present with each other. And we spent the whole day enjoying exactly what that 30-minute meal represented. We were thankful for each other, for the year that we had spent with each other. Thanksgiving taught me that Isaiah and John are telling us the act of preparing itself became an act of presence. As we prepare for God to come by repenting, by ordering our lives, by clearing away what doesn't need to be there, by finding the time, we find that God is already with us. The preparation itself is an act of presence. What would the Christmas season look like without God? Can you imagine what it looked like around your home, around our community? No ceramic baby Jesus, No Christmas tree with a star on top leading the wise men to Jerusalem, no Advent chocolate calendar to count down the days to Jesus' birthday, no Silent Night or Christmas hymns or the lighting of the candles. Is it possible that while busy getting ready for Christmas, that you are missing the reason you're preparing for Christmas? How are you preparing for Christ this Advent season? It's not about how many times you can say "Merry Christmas" at the checkout or what best deal you got standing in line for Black Friday, or how much money you spent on your boss's gift this year. No, we prepare by preparing ourselves. We prepare by examining our lives through the lens of God's call on us. We level the mountains and, rise the, and raise the valleys. We straighten out what was crooked. We get ourselves ready for God to come. Oh, the lights fade, and the wrapping paper is torn, and the bows don't look as pretty anymore. We work for days, weeks, maybe even months preparing for Christmas, and then in one more wrapping paper pile and leftover Christmas ham, it's over, and the excitement is worn off. This is why our season of preparation matters. Our goal is not to have the best hour of present opening on Christmas morning. It's to be God's people in the world all year round, to be a source of joy, hope, and peace on Christmas morning and New Year's Day And Groundhog's Day, and the 4th of July, and all the way back to Thanksgiving when we started all over again. We should be like the child who can't go to sleep waiting for Santa to come down the chimney, and what will be under the Christmas tree that morning? Or the faces of our loved ones when we get them that thoughtful gift we knew they would love and cherish? Preparing for Jesus' birth reminds us that God is not done with the world. God came once, God will come again, and we should always be prepared for God to return. What are the mountains in your life, the unnecessary burdens you carry? What are the valleys, the dark places where the light of God's truth doesn't shine? What's crooked in your life that needs to be made straight? Friends, Christmas means God is coming to dwell with us. With all of the chaos of the holiday season, we forget to watch for the light of the Lord. God is always with us. He is present all day, every day. How are you preparing to welcome God with us? We come to the communion table this morning to remember that our Advent journey is possible only because God is already with us. This table invites us to share the meal Jesus ate with his followers the night before he was killed. During that meal, he broke bread and gave it to us. He said, this is bread is my body broken for you. Eat it and remember me. Later in the meal, he passed us a cup of wine. He said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it and remember me. By receiving the communion meal, we recognize that we only make a way for God in our lives because God has already made a way for us and for us. We participate in Jesus' death so that we might be united with God. You don't have to be a member of Catalyst to receive communion this morning. If you're willing to prepare yourself for God's coming this Christmas, if you're willing to repent of your sins to clear your life of what's between you and God, then you're welcome to come to the table this morning. Before we receive communion together,' we're gonna lead, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of an examine. I'm going to ask you four questions to help you reflect on the responses of today. Now after you've had time to reflect, reflect, pray for pray for pray for Lee, there we go. On each question, I'll pray for us, and then as you're ready, you can come forward to receive communion. When in the last week have I been attentive to God's work in my life? What has gotten between me and God in the last week? What might get between me and God in the next week? How can I prepare a way for God in my life this week? Let's pray. God of Advent, you have gathered us here today to remember that you are the God who comes to us. You have heard the voices of your prophets this morning calling us to prepare ourselves for your coming. We confess that too often we allow ourselves to be distracted from the work to which you call us in the world. We approach your table this morning to remember that you have come to us. We ask these wafers and juice to become a spiritual food for us. Open our eyes to the things in our lives that need to go. Open our ears to the voices we need to quit ignoring. Remind us again that we prepare a path for you to come into our lives only because you have already come among us and are working among us. We offer these prayers and approach your table in the name of your Son, Jesus.